I'm really pleased to be talking to you guys this morning and I'd be here anyway because I think this is a great event and um, there's some really great stuff to come through the day. So we're going to be looking at communicating, we're going to be looking at strategy in particular and I did a talk at Premier Digital in November, was anybody there, anybody here there for that? Okay, a couple of people, cool. So that was around, um, well, a lot of stuff around digital strategy. And at the time, um, I kind of said, you don't really need a strategy. Just, just do it, just get on with it. And in some respects, I think there is the truth here, actually. First of all, we come to God with, with everything. And we actually really need to work out what's right for us in the approach. What I've done at my church and stuff, a lot of that was born out of literally being so part of the culture and the vision that it was just second nature. That might be the case for you. It might be that you're, you really want to plan. And I was thinking a lot back about, about my talk. I didn't have the courage to watch it back because I hate looking at myself speak. But today, it's going to be a combination of unpacking the very essence of what we're trying to achieve for churches and also, um, hopefully, some practical tips in there as well. If you have a burning question along the way, if you really want to ask it, pop your hand up. If not, um, as Ben said earlier, uh, message him on Instagram and we'll get it in for the Q&A session later on. So, I was told to include a picture of myself by a colleague of, because, uh, with my kids because it makes you all like me more apparently. So, that's my family. So, um, I am the head of innovation of CPO. Has anybody heard of CPO? The Christian pub and outreach organisation. We, we create craft beers and go around the country spreading the word. We really don't. We're the uh, Christian, pub, <laughs> Christian Publishing and Outreach, a charity formed 60-plus years ago. Three tobacco salesmen came to faith at a Billy Graham rally. They decided to use their skills in marketing to start making assets for the church. Back then, you couldn't whip P-Mobile out of your pocket and create a poster like we can do now. And the very essence of the organization was to support churches with their communications, which is what we're still doing all these years on. I'm also the comms leader at The Well, a church in Sheffield. Anybody heard of The Well or been to The Well? Yeah, called Front Row Sheffield Folk. Fantastic. Bring it on, Yorkshire. Uh, and I'm the founder of the Church Comms Collective. Any members of the collective? Hurrah! You'll hear a lot about that later, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it's a really useful Facebook group. Cool. So the first point I want to make is we cannot not communicate. Even when we're not speaking, even when we're not actually putting something out there, that is saying something. The coffee we serve in our churches says something about the way we think about the people that come into our church. The packaging around it, the food that we serve, everything says something in terms of what we're actually trying to communicate. So communication is so much bigger than a post or a Facebook post or whatever. The very essence of what we are, we are saying something. The way we do welcome says something about our church culture, says something about the people, the way we treat them as they come into it. It's something to take back and ask your leadership team. What are we not communicating? What things do we actually really need to take an effort in stepping into? So you need to think about that in terms of how you manage your social media, your digital, everything, your print stuff. You're always saying something even when you're saying nothing. We are facing uh, a fantastic time in history, in my opinion, where we are going through one of the biggest communication shifts in four or five hundred years. I'm literally going to steal lines right now from... Um, Brady Shear at Pro Church Tools. Is anybody aware of Pro Church Tools? Yeah? Okay, right. Just, I could just put a, play a load of his videos now. But um, anyway, the, the very nature of what's going on, we have these amazing devices in our pocket. Some of us will loathe them, some of us will love them, and we'll interchange that perspective throughout um, the way we, we do things. But people are constantly changing in terms of how they communicate. We have apps that we choose to prioritize over others, and there's constant changing ebb and flowing. And we have 
no word of lie, a challenge in actually how do we manage to connect with people on all these different platforms. And that's something which we'll unpack a little bit in here in a minute. The last few nights, I've been trying to pull this together, a church comms strategy workbook, okay? Um, now, in the church comms collective, a few months ago, somebody piped up and said, has anybody got a, any kind of guide for actually how you pull together a church comms strategy? And I was like, oh, I don't have that, but it'd be great to make, wouldn't it? And literally in the final hours of this morning, I was trying to pull this together. So at the minute, if you go to cpodigital.org forward slash ccsw, from there, you don't have to do it right now, so make a note of the link. You can download that. This has not been proofread by any of my team. I asked my wife last night, and she was so blurry-eyed, she was like, there was no chance. I was like, oh, babe, no worries. So this has not gone past anyone. You are literally, you can have a first gander through it, okay? It's also um, heavy stock images at the minute, so it's not ideal for printing. I'm gonna put a separate version up there, which is literally images stripped out, so you can print it off and go through it. The point of this, and the point of me in terms of church comms strategy, the first thing to do is to audit where you actually are. Ask loads of questions about your circumstances, what the church is actually doing, and I'm coming to some of that in a second. But asking those kind of questions and actually opening your doors to where you're at right now is so important to where you want to be going. In, in the document I go through, but it gets to this point where this is where the fun really begins. This is where you start to take all those answers to all those questions, start to consider the big picture, and actually start to implement stuff. So, just so I know, Ben, what time is this talk meant to finish? I've got three hours, yeah? <laughs> what? Okay, cool, great. So I'll make sure I give enough time for everything. Okay, firstly, it's great this talk that today has already started with prayer and coming to Jesus, and that is so important. That is the first thing we should do. We come to him in all things, and particularly when we're trying to communicate him to our church communities. Um, it's so nice to be at a, at a conference where that is a priority. So come to him in prayer first, above all other things. Okay, the next thing. Your church hopefully has one or all of these things. The vision might be something which is a broad vision which is going to carry on over years and years. You might have an annual vision which you tweak depending on particular outcomes. There might be sets of values that the church works to and you might actually have a culture statement. At the well, we have a culture statement. We say we are a culture that is this, we are a culture that is that. One of the um, cultures we have is a culture of creativity. That statement in itself is really good because you're shaping actually what the church is trying to get towards and it's easier to shape culture in that way. Um, culture, I heard a great quote the other day from some of the guys at Church Street actually, a uh, talk in London, that um, shaping culture is a bit like trying to be the rudder on a very big ship. It takes a long time to actually make that adjustment and you kind of have to stick to the course you're on. These things are absolute foundations for actually then applying your communications from the vision, from what you're actually trying to do, from the values that you're setting, from the culture that you're creating is the very foundations for actually what you are then trying to communicate. And you come back to that and you can be checking, are what, is what we're saying here actually aligned to those things? If it's not, that's a cause for evaluation. That's something to take to your leadership team. This simple framework is something which I kind of just figured out. This is basically what I do in terms of my process. I start with a question which is linked with a desire and a plan. So ultimately the question is, what do I want to see happen as a result of my communications? Bear in mind, we're considering the vision that's fueling that. So what is it that we want to see? The plan is literally, to see that happen, we need to do this. 
And that is the very essence. I want to see this particular thing happen, and this is how we're going to do it, choosing from the multiple different streams in which we can go down, which we'll come to in a moment. So the first thing of good communication, the first rule, is to know your audience. It's so important to know who you're communicating with. I'm aware that today there's people in here probably f way further down the line in terms of communication understanding than I am, and there were people that are on their first steps in doing it for their church. That's such a beautiful thing. We're all on a, on a different stages of the ladder. Um, one of the lines I've got in the, in the collective Facebook group that um, I help run is um, I'm a park runner. Anyone else do park run on a Saturday morning? I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for the kids that already got me out of bed, to be honest, that time on a Saturday morning. I'd much rather be snuggled down. Anyway. The thing that inspires me to run well at Parkrun is the people that are just in front of me that I'm trying to keep up with and the guy that's breathing down my neck I'm just trying to stay ahead of. That's where I am and I get a little bit better each time because I'm just trying to maintain myself. There's no point in me trying to be the front runner and I'm not too scared about walking it, although I did twist my ankle the other day and I did, which was humbling. Um, my, my point being is we don't need to feel intimidated by those that are doing incredible things. Just take the little steps, and as we build ourselves, we will all grow. And that's the great thing about today. We can eyeball each other. We can talk. Ask people. If, if something I say doesn't make sense, just ask your neighbor. Someone around you, I'm sure, will be able to unpack it. But knowing your audience is such an important aspect of communications. That's from, from, as a starting point. Asking questions about your context. Sheffield is obviously the greatest context. Um, we come from churches, every single one of us is from a different church in a different part of the country, okay? We have very specific things going on in our towns, villages, rural areas, wherever you're from. The context to which your church actually sits in, the type of people that go past it, the type of people that commute past, the neighborhoods that are nearby, the businesses that might be there, they're specific to you. You need to understand who are these people? Who are, the, who are those people on our doorstep? Who are the low-hanging fruit that we can actually communicate with? What are they looking for? I'll talk quite a bit in a minute about the well, the church we're from. We're on um, a main road that goes into Sheffield city centre called Eckersall Road. You can fly out to the peaks through it, or you can head into the very heart of the city. We're blessed to have lots of pubs and bars and cafes and cool, quirky shops nearby. We've also got uh, loads of students going to uni, a lot of hospitals. We've, got, uh, we've also got a very affluent neighborhood and a deprived neighborhood. We've got an absolute plethora of people going past the church every day. It would be ridiculous of us not to make the most of the external elements of the building and communicating and welcoming people in. And it'd be also daft for us not to use social to interact and engage with the people actually, the businesses and people in our area, and jump onto hashtags like Sheffield is super, and that should be part of the debate within the city. So understanding actually where, what's the context for your church, where is it placed, how best can you use that? And whether you're small or large, there's advantages you can draw out of that um, particular circumstance. With everything that we do with communication, for me, it's about creating belonging. We're trying to bring people into, um, well, I guess we're trying to disciple people, ultimately. And with, with social, with the printed elements of comms, I'm always trying to think, how can we bring people into community? How can this be, actually, an open invitation, one which actually opens a door to a, a beginning, ultimately? And that is what we're trying to do. I tend to be quite black and white in terms of looking at internal and our external voices. Now, this is just a list of things. This is not completely factual. This is the way that I would just kind of see it in terms of internal, external elements. The, um, 
the nature of our external communications, so the things which public can land upon, so the website, um, our public-facing social media networks, the posters out the front, the banners out the front, things like that, want to be the kind of conversations that you would have on the doorstep with somebody passing your church who has no idea what's going on inside. Does that make sense? Just straightforward, what is, what is it when, you know, average um, Jack or Jill walks past, and uh, how would you actually position something who doesn't understand Christianese, and doesn't understand why they would come in? You want to make it as simple and as clear as possible, something which is facing on the outside, so that people go past and go, oh yeah, they clock that. Wherever possible, if it's an event, make sure you've got the date and times on there. Invest in um, getting new Christmas banners each year, which are very specific, so people don't have to Google through and go, oh, it's the fourth Friday of the month or whatever else. Try and be specific where you can. Um, um, so internal elements tend to be mostly stuff for the, the actual the kind of church community family. They tend to be the conversation to have in the cafe or the actual sanctuary itself and are worded very differently because they're part of that church community. And there is an overlap at times. But actually looking at actually how, where is that overlap, there'll be things like communicating Alpha, for example. Internally, you're letting people know that we're running Alpha. We want to get you guys to be inviting your friends and bringing family down. Externally, we want people to know that there's an informal opportunity for them to ask smallest and the biggest questions that are out there and meet other people that are also exploring. So we've got these two different trains of thought and there are, there are overlaps in how that's done. So this comes back down to audience understanding and your localities and all those type of elements, thinking about actually how do we connect with these people? What's the right social network for your strategy? That ultimately comes down to exactly what's going on at your church and where you are. I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to this, but there's got to be a church somewhere out there which is in a really busy kind of CBD district. Actually, LinkedIn would be an amazing place to form online advice and um, actually create community for people that are really struggling in that environment. Use the platform which is relevant to where you are. Facebook, undeniably, is the biggest network out there. Social media channels, um, they, uh, I guess they move with the times. Who was on MySpace? To us, the biggest following I've ever had on MySpace. I think I had about th four and a half thousand people on my MySpace. Man, and now I don't even know my password for it. I just want to go on there and just revel in those messages from 2007. Um, there were pioneers that then came out with Facebook, okay? That was a youth movement out of universities, and now look where it is. Instagram, the same. TikTok, whatever it's going to be the next thing, you can follow the youth movement of what's going on in social because chances are that's what the direction things are going. People will leave these platforms as they reach maturity because they're looking for the next hot thing. It's, it's very interesting. I guarantee you right now that if this, when this happens in a couple of years' time and beyond, there'll be new platforms we'll be discussing. What's important is you move with what's going on. If, all your, if, the, if the hanging fruit on the outside of your church are massively engaged in a social network which is connecting with actually what's going on geographically where you are, be on it. Be God's voice in that place. Draw them into what's going on with you. If it is that everyone's actually sticking on Facebook and stuff, this is understanding your audience. Where are they? How can I engage them? We use a lot of Facebook groups at our church because when we, we started the church five years ago, 50 folk, it was a natural free platform for us to share messages with one another, bring it together. And that in itself was merged then into a members group, young adults group, mums of little ones, dads of little ones, you name it, we've got a Facebook group for it. Um, that takes a lot of management, but it's kind of got an organic flow to it. The important thing is actually looking at where are our people, what are their communication preferences, and sure enough, you're not going to get every single person on board with that, um, but you do have to go with the masses here and actually to try and get as big a reach as possible. I'm talking a bit quickly. I hope this is all going in well. 
Okay, you need to provide, this is a great line, chocolate and broccoli. Anyone idea what, that, what I mean by chocolate and broccoli? Okay, I love chocolate. I'm a big Whisper Gold fan. I told my, when I worked in Australia for a commons consultancy, I told my boss, oh, I'm really missing Whisper Golds. And the absolute legend, when he came over to see me on a trip, after each meeting I did, he pulled out a Whisper Gold out of his pocket, which is great at the start of the day, but Australia and Whisper Golds don't go too well together. Anyway, chocolate is tasty, it's a quick fix, it's enjoyable, it's really nice. Broccoli is really good for you, it's organic, in theory. It's going to be really, um, it's, there's sustenance in that, and it's actually going to be in the long term much better for you. Essentially, chocolate is the short form content, the quick fixes you can get on Instagram from a really engaging quick post. Broccoli is the long form stuff where people take the time to really create in-depth video content, in-depth captions, stuff which you can really kind of go quiz through and make a, a bolder, more intentional statement. And right now, people are looking for both forms of content. There's a reason why podcasts have really taken off in the last few years. It's actually a lot of short-form content stuff. Actually, people want something in a bit more depth. They don't necessarily need the visual. They actually want to engage in a bigger thing. So in terms of your content strategy, this is something that, um, if I'm honest, I'm really struggling with because of, of time allowances and stuff. Did I even spell broccoli right? That looks really strange. Anyway, we'll, we'll fact check that later. Um, but yeah, you need to think about that. How can we actually create engaging short form and long form content, which is where it's at right now. Paying attention to trends and stuff where possible. Um, there's blogs out there. I really recommend, I think we might say this later, but um, the later blog, Pro Church Tools, I mentioned, Pro Church Media. There's some really good platforms out there where you can look at actually what's current and what's the best way to leverage your content. Don't just dive in. I saw a great thing about from Gary V the other week. Um, anyone heard of Gary V? Some people don't like him because he does drop a few good F-bombs and stuff, but in between that, he drops some real gold as well. Um, no way. Amazing. Does he replace the words like dinosaur names or something? That would be really entertaining. Great. Awesome. There you go. Top tip there. He made a good, good video, and in that was about not diving in. So if you're going to start on TikTok, for example, don't just download the app and start creating, as, as great as that could be. Just take a few days where possible, actually put some time aside, and actually get to understand the quirks of the platform itself. How are people interacting? What kind of content they're creating? Why are some things succeeding and why things aren't? It's just a case of spending time actually understanding the qualms with it. So ideally, don't just jump into stuff. And then when you run with things, make sure you choose to invest well. I would always advise doing one or two social networks well and building from success than trying to spread yourselves too thinly. Process, develop a workflow that's right for you. Um, this is, um, I've outlined this in the workbook stuff, but this is just the way that I work. Um, I will have an online repository where I keep all my content, any photos we get, um, old stuff, new stuff, video, B-roll, everything is stored in there. From that place, I'm able then to use other platforms to create content. Personally, it tends to be Photoshop most of the time. I'm then choosing to um, actually publish that or put it out there either in print or on social. And within social, it might be that I'm using a scheduling tool to actually plan ahead. If you have got um, capacity, I would always encourage planning ahead. 
you know that Christmas Day is on the 25th of December this year. Okay, we know when Easter is, etc. You can, if you get a moment in your day, why not start thinking about it and just pull together some loose ideas? There's, there's no harm in that. If you can plan ahead and then actually work in those moments, which we all get where your minister will call and say, oh, we need to promote this tomorrow. Can you create this, this, and this? Um, hopefully, you'll be able to actually have some of the stuff in the bank all sorted for you. Um, this is actually just some examples of content from our repository. So we got a guy our church um, runs a thing called the Good Christian Music Blog. So I've taken some screen captures from stuff filmed at our church, worship team, Easter. Um, I've got photos of our church in every single weather format you can think of. So when I'm, my parents live in Cornwall, when I'm down in Cornwall, I'll look at the BBC Weather app, see that it's looking a bit miserable in Sheffield today, and, I can, and then I'll just choose a picture from our back catalogue if I want to do a picture of the church that's rele relevant. I've got everything covered. The only downside is we've just done a church reverb and the front of the building's just been changed. So I've got another year's worth of weather to try and capture. I don't know when next time I'll get any decent snow. But my point is here is actually just it's planning, it's planning ahead, actually making the most of content you take today. You might be using a particular picture, but you can actually use um, the B-roll stuff time and time again. Um, platforms for creating content. Um, there are so many different options out there. Again, my recommendation and part of your strategy is to actually try and consolidate and keep things as simple and streamlined as possible. So choose something you're comfortable with, play around with things. Canva has got a free, uh, you can get the pro version for free if you register as a not-for-profit through your church. Um, I'm going to talk about church comms create in a minute. Photoshop, the Adobe Suite is fantastic. Procreate, anyone use that on um, iPad at all? Absolutely awesome tool. Um, if you've got an iPad, I would highly recommend um, having a play with that. You can do some really awesome stuff. And on mobile, there's loads of great um, apps you can use. So. The point here is just choose something which slots into your workflow so that you can just kind of be familiar, so you can have a quicker turnaround rather than necessarily um, running loads of different things at once. Spend time just trying to learn a particular platform. Um, this is complete plug time. Um, we run, uh, our, at CPO, we've launched a thing called Church Comms Create. The nature of a lot of the people that we serve are people that will buy off-the-shelf posters for their churches rather than telling specific branded things from their church because they literally don't have the resources to do so. For me, the, um, the best thing you can do is actually really identify with your brand to make sure you've got a brand and actually start from that place. But for, that's not possible for everybody and that's why CPO does what it does in terms of creating off-the-shelf solutions. The nature of church comms creates, effectively, it's, it's like Canva, but all the content on there is, Christ, is, is for churches. So all the templates, we're, we're in the process and the only reason we've not really published this big time yet um, this answers your question, Ali, that you said to me earlier on, um, is because we're in the process. We've got thousands of designs that we're trying to upload on here so that people can then easily access them and actually make adjustments they want to. And instead of paying uh, a more expensive fee each time to do that, effectively you can pay a simple license fee for this. We are a charity, so the 499 that this costs um, basically supports our charity vision. That said, there is a free version, and the only thing you can't do on that is download the content. It's desktop-based, which is so it's designed more for church administrators, maybe people that are working from that um, place, connected into Unsplash, so you've got a million plus worth of royalty-free images, which are easily customizable. And you can do some really clever stuff in terms of overlays and cropping, where you can drop things into existing shapes, and it does it like really intuitively. There's no um, faffing around like you would have necessarily in Photoshop. That said, I'm a massive fan of the Adobe Creative Suite. And if you want to create really bespoke stuff, take time to invest in that. Um, but hopefully this will be good for some people in this room. Websites, okay. 
that example that Ben showed earlier was absolutely beautiful. I looked at that, it was a piece of web beauty. Websites are really important, so important that I would need a whole day to talk to you about websites. So instead, I'm going to talk to you about it for about 30 seconds. ProChurch Tools, I've mentioned. ProChurch Tools is an amazing source to go and find out what's going on in, in current church web design things. They did a blog, uh, vlog about a week or two ago about the best church website right now. Um, websites are so important. That's why I actually don't want to give it too much focus. This is something that I'd recommend carving out time and researching what others are doing well. The website is a central hub that for virtually every communication you do it's going to bring it into that place. Yeah? Social media trends, social media preferences are going to come and go, but your web domain, in theory, will remain whatever it is. So we are wellsheffield.com. We have no intention of moving away from that. That will be where we are. Our website will look totally different from where it is now, actually in six months, because I'm working on a new website. But then it will also look very different in three, four years' time as, as people's um, use of the internet actually changes. It's really important to come at it from an audience-centered approach and tie it in with your vision. If your vision is to fill your church with unchurched people, your website absolutely needs to reach out to the unchurched people and your community absolutely need to understand that that is what your public-facing communications are trying to do. So they're not offended when the team awning isn't advertised on there because actually that was actually for a set group within the church or whatever. You actually need to try and journey with your people and let them know what your vision is and actually how the communications sit alongside that so people aren't shocked on that process. So I would highly recommend watching some of the website, um, best website videos on, um, on ProChurch tools. And I would also just recommend looking at other kind of big brands. Don't necessarily look at churches, look at how other, other, other organizations that you would look to in terms of, um, I guess, contextual to actually your, um, your, your locality. So one of the things in the workbook that I go through is actually, it's kind of trying to create a bit of a persona of the type of people that interact within your church or outside your church. What type of brands, products, and things would they be interacting with? What would be familiar to them? How do these big companies actually manage to engage people in their, in their digital presence? And try and take some cues from that. Also, ultimately come back to what your vision is and make sure that the website is fulfilling that vision. Okay. Ben's literally stole lines out of, out of this, so I'm just going to whip through this very quickly. Social media is really important, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people are on there. <laughs> okay, I found this really interesting. So, this represents actually, um, so 90.4% of millennials are on social, 70.5% Gen X, and 48.2% baby boomers. Often, um, I was at a talk a few weeks ago, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, the silver tops, they're not, really, they're not really in that space. It's not really happening. They are the fastest growing, continue to be the fastest growing demographic in terms of digital reach because they're not there. And they are also an absolutely incredible generation. If there's any baby boomers in the room, you are amazing. You've gone through the biggest changes. You were here before the internet even existed. You've, you've passed through in the black and white TVs beyond, and you are now in this age where we're, we're voice activated all sorts everywhere. It's an inc they've gone through so much change. For those of us that's grown up in this digital bubble, like it's just, it, I find it really inspiring. So quite frankly, it's no wonder that only 50% are there so far because there's been so much change for them. But I tell you what, they will be there more and more and more. 
So they are there. We have opportunities to reach out to the older generations. And I think as a church, we really need to as well. We really need to be aware that this is a message for everybody. And sometimes our communications can miss that. So trying to think in terms of your, um, back to that question of your audience, your locality, who are the people, the baby boomer generation, actually in your area that you can actually reach out to? How are they best engaged? Facebook are doing a massive push, obviously, on groups over pages because they're trying to create meaningful relationships online and actually be, do better, more social good in, in many ways. Actually, is that a useful platform to use to bring together people and actually gather around um, set causes? I believe it is. So you look at areas for your audience where you can actually gather them and link them up. This is another line um, that I got from somewhere. But how would your social media look if you had no events? This is a challenge that I come back to my comms and man, I need something that I need to keep myself at the backside about more often than not. I'm done about you, but I'm often bombarded with people representing different ministries within our church who all want to put out the latest event. But the actual thing which is going to engage people on our social networks particularly are the people's stories. So if you can actually promote an event or actually communicate something broader and you can do it with a personalized story within that, capturing someone's testimony, why they did Alpha, or what impact it makes, um, why they love going to the toddler group or whatever it is. Um, actually try and capture these moments and actually share that is way more powerful, way more engaging. So you want to try and find the stories which will really allow um, your social particularly to reach out. Um, just a list here of different platforms you can use for scheduling. I'm sure that will be t t touched on later on the social media talks and stuff. Scheduling, choose one, stick it out, see how it goes. Really good, to, again, for planning ahead. It can really help de-stress stuff. Okay, let's jump into a, a, few, minutes, a few minutes of our um, strategy stuff. We are just there. Um, I fly a drone in my spare time, so I jumped up on a su beautiful summer's evening and into that shot looking into the city. Um, we are a new church for the city of Sheffield, and our church, as I said, is located around it to pubs, bars, and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to create communications and a brand which fits well into that locality. We try and link up all our communications so there's visual continuity across it. We've got a brand which is in place, so we just literally apply those guides. We're trying to stop the scroll on social media wherever possible. So this is purposely meant to be hard to read so that people actually kind of take a second to actually go and check out what's going on. We want to try and stop that flow so you can think about ways to do that with your digital communications. Same again for the student stuff. This is examples of where um, we've got Brian on the right-hand side is a really great case study. He was new to the church, and he just put out a post on his own channel about how amazing the church is and everything that God's doing there. And I was like, this is absolute gold. Can we, uh, just DM'd him, can we, can we use this in our communications? Yeah, totally, mate, go for it. Um, if you can get that consent and actually get people actually involved, realizing the power they have in terms of the broadcast influence media that can be brought into actually what you're trying to do, leverage it at every single opportunity. We do, uh, with our communications, we try to have, we have um, particularly during existing seasons like Christmas and Easter, we run the same campaigns each year pretty much with tweaks here and there where applicable. We want to create a consistency so people kind of relate that to that period in time. Um, this is just an example of what we did for, uh, what I did last year for Easter. That cross you can't see from there. I bought a pack of um, floral uh, graphics, PNGs, and 
took me hours, but that is literally leaves and flowers and sticks all put together. It's the closest I'll ever come to being a florist. Um, and if you take that white cross space out, it looks absolutely hideous. Um, but yeah, it, it, you can create what you want to create. Uh, we'll skip through this. Okay, Instagram, these are some top, top tips. We're there to stop the scroll, coordinated posting. Does anybody here do coordinated posting? Okay, this is where you basically get other members of your team, the church family or whatever. If there's something really big that you want to push out there, let everybody know. Four o'clock today, we're announcing our Christmas services or whatever. Can you like and share it? Just you know, get a, a group of people that can do that. And you can help trick the algorithm a little bit into thinking this is important content. When people actually stop and actually interact with stuff, particularly if they save it on Instagram, it's going to do good things. Use stories. This is something I've actually been really bad at doing. I was late to the game on stories, but it's like absolutely the way that people have kind of migrated from a north to south to an east to west scroll on Instagram. And stories are really, really powerful. So capture the moments that are going on in your church and make it authentic and real. You don't need to worry about getting flashy gear for it. Just work from your phone. People like the authenticity. Um, location and um, hashtags and stuff. Like you don't need to tag specific Christianese kind of hashtags, if you're trying to reach people on your doorstep that know nothing about Jesus, they're not going to be searching um, Tri Church. <laughs> that's, they're not, really. Um, they probably don't know that, that even exists. Or they might, they might search church, I guess. We, I tag stuff for Sheffield. Sheffield is super. I believe in Sheffield. I tag the street name, Eckersall Road and Ecky Road. I tag things which very much about our locality. We want to create, um, I want followers that are in Sheffield or um, yeah, I, in fact, I want I want followers that are in Sheffield. I don't care necessarily about people the other side of the world. I'm trusting churches in those places to communicate to those people. We're about trying to create community and disciples in Sheffield and serve those people. Also, personalization wherever possible. DM, actually, um, social is that social interaction, actually engaging with people. Um, and there's loads of great apps out there that you can use. Cool. Some of this stuff, I don't want to cross over what can be spoken on later. Facebook, um, the big thing I want to take away from Facebook is not to cross-pollinate. This goes for something which we can do to save time. Don't put the same message out on each different network because the same message isn't actually necessarily true. The people in those different um, social networks work to different understandings, different kind of unwritten rules, as it were. Stuff on Twitter isn't going to translate as well on Facebook. The way we have used Twitter well, and in fact, a good example for us at The Well, we started out tweeting all the businesses close to us and let them know that like the cafe down the road, the coffee smelled gorgeous when we walked past this morning. Um, and just actually trying to create some dialogue with people. We found that Twitter actually is no longer that relevant for us, so we're going to be shutting down our, our account soon. We're not seeing any fruit come from that, and that is an example of where actually it's important that we migrate with the times. And by contrast, we're looking at whether we can actually get our youth to start creating organic content on TikTok and actually engage with people in their age stream because we want to see a boost in our youth movement stuff. YouTube, we started streaming content uh, from our services. Um, I saw a really good talk uh, about taking youth members of your team. Young people will gravitate way more to YouTube than they would TV back in my day. Um, that is obviously the world's second biggest search engine and actually creating um, content on there which answers the questions that people are looking for is really important. So you, there's a massive opportunity, even though it's this huge juggernaut that it is, to use this platform um, well. I'm not going to talk any more about YouTube because it's going to be touched on later. Okay, cool. Uh, checklist stuff, quick points. Plan ahead wherever possible. Apply a church vision. That is the foundation to everything you're then going forward to do. 
Be sure of your role and expectations in what you're doing. You might be in a paid role, you might be in a voluntary role. Actually understanding the limits of actually what you're trying to do and the expectations upon you, I think are really important to make sure that you can actually set goals and actually look at trying to achieve them. Ensure you're using the right channels and don't be afraid to mix it up. If you're using a, set, uh, a social network for a few months and actually you're finding none of your church community or the, or the external community you're trying to reach are actually using it, then don't use it anymore. Don't, don't like drag it through the muck any more than needs be. Mix it up wherever you need to do. And check your website. It's fulfilling its duty. Action points. Ensure you're clear on the purpose of your communications. Comes back to that thing of what we're trying to communicate and how we're going to try and do it. Develop a process that's right for you and refine it. Process being for me, I've got my content. I will then take from that pool of content to create and I'll then look at publishing it in the appropriate way to send my message to appropriate applicable audiences. In the um, one thing that I'm yet to add to the workbook that I want to do is actually, for some people, it might be really useful to actually literally have a list of these are the things available to us to use. This is the particular message we need to share. So let's say the message is, uh, coffee morning for the over 60s, and it's a regular thing you're launching, then actually looking at the networks for which you're going to do that on. It might be that internally you want to let everybody know in notices in the main service itself, and then externally it might be that you've got a flyer that you can hand out in places these people are most likely to be. There might be a doctor's surgery up the road. There might be uh, the co-op around the corner. Can you get a flyer in the corner, whatever it is. Where are these people likely to be that will actually benefit from this, um, the particular thing you're looking at? And actually having a checklist of actually going, I'm going to use this, this, and this as part of this campaign. And actually taking a campaign and approach can be absolutely perfect for some people. Um, assessing and evaluating your failures. How do you measure success? Success for me is people coming to faith and coming into church. And uh, absolutely blows my mind when we've had that happen through Instagram particularly. And I, I just dance around the room when that happens. Um, but that, that, is a, that is the greatest level for me of, of what success looks like is when people encounter Jesus and actually form a relationship. Um, success is in terms of data metrics and stuff. You can obviously measure that on social, be aware of all the data stuff within, like natively within Facebook or within the scheduling tools you do. Sprout Social in particular is really great at getting into the depths of the details for that. With the print stuff, always point to your website. Remember, that's the central hub of where things are. Um, you, again, you can measure traffic based off campaigns you do. And ultimately, wherever possible, on a print campaign as well, you can actually ask, how did you hear about this event, if it's not immediately clear, and try and document that in some kind of way. So you can work out what's working and what's not. CPO toolkit, blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Right, resources. These are just some recommendations of stuff. CPO, we've got loads of... Um, Great content on there from different authors, including Mark Crosby speaking later. Um, there's some really great stuff on there. The Comms Collective, um, that is very much an organic place. We don't allow for any third-party promotions, so it's people actually within the group themselves recommending different services and solutions, and that's the way that's always going to be. So if you want to get kind of hear from other people like you, that is a great place to get advice on what they're facing. Um, at Pro Church Media, if you want to raise your design game, that's something you're, you're keen to do. They do like a regular challenge. I think it's a weekly challenge where they put out like a Bible verse or something, and basically people contribute. Even if you don't actually want to contribute, some of the content is absolute gold. You can always DM people and say, I love that post you designed. Are you happy for me to use it on my church social? More often than not, as long as they'll say yes, as long as you tag them, which is absolute way to source some great content. Um, great. Join the collective. That's me. I am available for... Oh, no, it's literally half past on the dot. Is there any burning questions? One or two? 
If not, we'll go. If not, we'll put anything later over to Bench. Um, thank you for your listening ear. I am here all day. Please bother me if you want to talk to me directly about stuff. Um, and thanks for your time, people.